0: Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. The show with the host that is too old to be a hipster and too young to be a broken hipster, but not for long. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe-smoking broadcast, and I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you on uh, the uh, last Sunday in October, and I'll give you a little bit of a reason for in just a minute. Uh, But in tonight's show, which is airing on Halloween, uh, we will... uh, it, we'll, we'll stay away from a lot of the spooky stuff, just because uh, most of you will listen to this after Halloween, and by now I'm sure you're all fed up with all the spooky stuff, like I am. Uh, but on tonight's show, I'm going to talk about two, uh, two pipes that I recently got a chance to look at up close, and I think they're uh, I think both brands are probably a really good value on the estate market. And then my guest is uh, pipe maker Jeff Graysick of J Allen Pipes. Uh, last time Jeff was on, it was uh, six years ago, and uh, the show was brand new. And we got a chance to catch up with Jeff. He's got some new stuff that, if you're not in the, you know, if you've been in a, if you've been in a secret bunker somewhere for six years, you may or may not know about it. But we catch up with Jeff. And then the uh, the only Halloween related thing we will do is uh, music that I found that's really cool, mailbag and a rave. All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Uh, now we are recording this on Sunday afternoon. The uh, it's a beautiful sky outside. And why Sunday afternoon? Well, because uh, in order to maintain my uh, my health and uh, do the best that I can for me well today is uh prep day for my first colonoscopy and for any of you guys age 50 and over obviously colon cancer and all that stuff is uh highly uh you know highly dangerous and a very fast aggressive type of cancer so i'm going to get a preventative screening on uh by the time you hear this i will be done and recovered from it on monday uh and and, and again this is uh, just a preventative uh Preventative procedure, just to make sure that I'm doing okay, and uh, you know I want to be around to do the radio show for uh, many more years. So, hey, it's a uh, part of uh, part of getting older is having all these fun things to do. So, uh, I would uh, you know highly suggest obviously if uh, any of you are uh, over the uh, over the age, check in with your doctor and make sure that you know you're taking care of yourself. Because I don't want to inherit a whole bunch of pipes or pipe tobacco from some of you that have become really good friends. All right, let's get the show rolling, so everybody sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go.
1: There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe. An American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com.
0: And we are back on the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. So here's how the story started. Uh, last week, I went to my uh, once-a-month pipe club meeting with the Aromatic Pipe Farts, uh, which includes uh, uh, Jim Brown of Heisenberg Pipes and Basil Meadows and a couple other great guys. And uh, anyway, it's a lot of fun. Rotating group of guys that just get together one Sunday each month, and uh, no, uh, you know, like some pipe clubs, there's no no formal. Uh, No formal agenda or uh, program. We just sit around and talk about pipes and trade and show and sample stuff. Uh, So one of the guys brought in a batch of pipes that he had found at an antique store and had cleaned them up and was uh, was showing them off and offering them up for sale, which is perfectly fine. Uh, Two of the pipes in particular caught my attention. One was a uh, Bertram from Washington, D.C., and the other one was a Digby. Now, I started looking over these pipes, and I, it had been a while since I really looked at a, uh, looked at a Bertram up close. Uh, Bertram was a, uh, according to Pipepedia, the story of Bertram pipes begins with a German pipe maker named Bertram Goldman, who immigrated to the United States in 1874 and settled down in Washington, D.C., uh, in 1927, Sidney Bertram Goldman opened a new factory, the Bertram Pipe Shop, and uh, they were made in the Washington D.C. area. Uh, you will find them regularly on eBay and at pipe shows. Bertram pipes, uh, kind of, uh, according to the article in uh, on Pipepedia, it's kind of called. They call it the Astleys of America. Uh, But it says, over three generations, Bertram's enjoyed such a good reputation in the USA that their own production wasn't able to keep up with the demand, and pipes had to be bought in addition from notable suppliers. Uh, You'll find some different stylings, some different shapes, but again, they kind of stick towards the classics. Now Digby is a brand is, is a subline from GBD back when uh, back before GBD got merged into the, uh, into the big conglomerates. Uh, Digbys tended to have sometimes some fills or sand pits in it and were not actual flawless briar that would have gone into a uh, perhaps gone into a, uh, into a GBD pedigree or something like that. Uh, the two pipes that I looked at both meticulously made, both have uh, really well shaped bowls, uh, both of them really nicely done stems. Considering the, you know, the the price that you can pick these things up for is, yeah, literally less than uh, <laughs> less than a third uh, a quarter of what you might get the uh, get the standard brand for. Uh, so i ended up taking home the digby with me uh the reason the digby talked to me is it's that classic english shape long shanked uh long shanked billiard little slight forward cant to it and very nicely cross-grained where the cross grain goes up and down the shank uh i have smoked it once and i really like the way it smokes the uh the thing that really caught my attention both about the Digby and about the Bertram was when I got them and I pulled, when I was looking at them and I pulled the stems off to look at it and measure stuff, uh, the inside of the stem is V-slotted, not just a straight drilled hole with an open slot at the end. It's actually v out, which is one of those techniques that uh, better pipes have done to it. Uh, and and again, here we're now we're talking about a pipe that you can find on eBay for twenty to forty dollars, that has a really well-made original stem, uh, and it's veed out and it's basically a hand-finished, hand-shaped stem from a prefabbed mold. Uh, I'm impressed with the wood and the grain, and of course there are a couple fills in it. But you know what? For the for the price that you can get these pipes. I would heavily suggest that you start looking for uh, Bertram's if you want a little bit more stylized pipe, or Digby's if you want a classic English pipe and you don't want to pay much more than 20, 25, 30 bucks. Sometimes you can even find uh, Digby's and Bertram's that were unsmoked. Uh, Anyway, just take a look around pipe shows, take a look around uh, the estate market. You'll find them. I think they're a great value. All right, we'll get uh, Jeff Grasick here in just a moment.
2: This is Internet Radio. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age,
0: what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, you've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe. Just by smoking what you like, and liking what you
2: smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes, and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this,
0: and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm. Smoking Pipes, in faithful service of the hobby. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show and returning again, but it's been six years, Jeff. It's been six years since you were on the show. Uh, please welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show, uh, Jeffrey Allen Burt Graysick, better known as Jay Allen Pipes. Jeff, welcome back.
1: Hey, thanks, Brian.
0: So six years ago, um, and I recently re-listened to the show, and I want to apologize, so uh, please don't anybody go back and re-listen to that episode. The guest was wonderful, uh, the host was an idiot, and now the host is just an idiot that's better practiced. So, um, but
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think we both are.
0: Uh, Jeff, just quickly remind us where uh, where did you grow? Where are you from? Where did you grow up, and when did you get started smoking a pipe or get into
1: pipes? Sure, sure, yeah. I uh, I grew up in Western Pennsylvania, just south of uh, Lake Erie, little town, and uh, meandered my way across around the the Midwest and East Coast of the U.S. and was working on my master's degree in New Jersey when my wife recommended that I smoke a pipe because cigars stink and they're very expensive. Little did she know, pipes can also be very expensive, uh, (laughs) a fact for which she is quite thankful now, as it pays our bills. (laughs) So uh, throughout uh, my grad school experience, I learned how to make pipes, practiced, became obsessed. If uh, If I were to pull out some of my notes from graduate school and Mind you, I was studying at my dream school and my dream subject, yet all of the margins of my notes and and textbooks were filled with sketches of pipes. (laughs) Um, I would go home from class after, uh, you know, a day of studying and immediately go down to the basement um, and just work with my Dremel on uh, Briar. I got kicked out of there bounced around to a bunch of different workshops and shady situations um, just so I could practice, so I could make pipes. And uh, by the time I finished school in 2006, I think I'd made around 100 pipes at that point. Um, And my wife and I uh, chose to move to California. And we did that in uh, May of 2006 and established ourselves out here where we have remained ever since. And since that time, I have been a full-time pipe maker. You
0: know, I've met your wife before. I love her to death because anybody, any wife that tells a husband to go smoke a pipe,
1: you know, is is just absolutely wonderful. You know, believe it or not, that's not her best quality, but it's one of them. Well, and it you know it, it could have
0: been that you were talking too much, but
1: <laughs> either way, yeah, I was talking too much. I mean, that's that's entirely plausible.
0: <laughs> yeah, e- either way, it worked out great for us because we now have uh, we now have you in the in the pipe hobby, making wonderful pipes and influencing uh, many many other pipe makers and i think what i want to do is start off with you know as as you kind of progress through the years from so like the from like the 2005 to 2007 8 range who are the pipe makers mm-hmm. that kind of impressed
1: you like impressed me you made an impression on my work or do you mean that they uh were ones that i was looking up to yeah the ones you were looking up to well, uh, the first pipe maker I, I ever worked with was Todd Johnson. Uh, he was studying a similar subject at a similar school uh, nearby where I was going to school in New Jersey. And um, he graciously invited me to his workshop and uh, uh, shared a bunch of information with me. And I drank from that fire hose and came home <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and worked my tail off to try to remember and implement uh, some of the skills he taught me. Uh, Shortly after that I met Tawny Nielsen uh, who I also looked up to and that was at the first pipe show I ever attended in Columbus Ohio I met Tawny, and he saw my first batch of pipes I think there were four pipes in there and he thought they were good enough to invite me to work with him Wow the following Christmas my uh, my in-laws lived in Illinois and my wife and I were traveling there for Christmas, so he invited me to go visit over Christmas, which I did. I spent 24 hours with him and learned so much, um, simply because I think that uh, the pump had been primed, I'd had some experience, and had I'd, I knew enough to not be a beginner, or at least a complete beginner. So when I visited him, I, I, I had more um, space in my head, uh, <laughs> for, um, you had for more me to, to gather information and, and you and had, you had more information to ask better questions. Exactly. Exactly. So I learned a ton working with Tawny, um, and he and his wife, Barbara, are just great people. And I really enjoyed spending time with them. Uh, the next year I went and worked with, um, Jody Davis. I was gone over that. What was it? The first summer in graduate school I was in living in the Dominican Republic and came home and right before school started I flew out to Arizona to work with Jody for a week and uh, he and I had become pretty fast friends. Yeah. Just such a great guy, super talented pipe maker and um, a mutual friend of ours had recommended that I, if I wanted to learn how to do make classic pipes that Jody was the guy to work with. Um, not only because he was a fan and uh, was influenced by the great Yes Conovich, um, but because he'd worked with um, uh, Jim Cook uh, and he was a student of old English pipes. Yeah. So I flew to Arizona and those were the first classic pipes that I made in the traditional way, at least working with Jody. I also learned to sandblast when I was there.
0: So I'll, I'll, in, I'll, interrupt you here because I, I, you know, six years ago, I didn't talk anything about my own personal pipes or my own personal tobaccos. And now I'm, mm-hmm. now that I'm retired or semi-retired, <laughs> um, or just retarded, um, I, I talk about them and I, and I got to tell you, one of my, one of my absolutely favorite pipes, although it doesn't travel much with me is a six inch long shank. Uh, I, I'm just going to call it a long shanked pot. That mm-hmm. is a straight sandblast that you made probably back in in o seven or o eight if I could remember okay. the date on the bottom of it. But I bought it from Vernon Vig as an estate pipe.
1: Oh, okay. Is it is it a, a, a natural blast or probably yeah. is less well, less? All right. It, it was a. It, I it, know that pipe. It, it was a very nice
0: light brown. Now it's a very nice dark brown. Yeah, uh, uh, how that works but it, it's got a certain characteristic and quality to it that just makes everything a little bit sweeter. And the shaping is dead on. So, you know, so I can see where you're, I, I can see your progression as you nailed
1: those more classic shapes. It was a real focus of mine in those first years. Um, I mean, getting the internals right is, was, was my first priority because no matter how pretty it is, if it doesn't perform well, uh, serious pipe smokers are not gonna come back to you. Uh, but then you have to have a reason to get someone to come to your table, and that's usually having things that look nice sitting up uh, on the table. So I that was a real focus, was trying to dial in and learn how the traditional shapes worked, um, how proportions should be, how playing with those proportions affected things and it, it took a long time and a lot of practice. Um, but I'm, I'm glad that, uh, you know, a pipe that you own from 2007 still stands up. It, it's, uh,
0: it, again, when I, when I am really thinking, all right, this is going to be some great tobacco and I want to, you know, I pull that pipe out. If the shank was a little shorter, I mean, it's, it's a good six, six and a half inches. I would probably carry it more often, but, uh, Yeah, I think you've seen it. I think I've shoved it in your nose a couple of times and said, "Look, I have one." Uh, So after working with all these guys, did you ever did you ever have another job, or did you just jump right into full time
1: pipe making? That was it. No, I never had another job. Um, You know, it's 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 funny that you ask this question because I I say that I never had another job, and that's true. But uh, you know, since becoming a pipe maker but I never planned for it to be that way. It just kind of happened. Um, I, I'm really lucky that that was, you know, that my life kind of unfolded in that way. But I think had I planned to become a full-time pipe maker, that would have made it a whole lot more difficult. Um, I think the expectations and, um, both of myself and my, my, wife of me would have been different, but instead it was more of this hobby that, Oh, it, it pays me. And then suddenly I, I have more work than I can. I, I don't have enough. I don't have enough time, free time from this hobby of mine to get a job.
0: <laughs> and, and it does help that, you know, the, the raising a family, it helps to have one of the parents that has a little bit of flexibility in it.
1: It does. It really does. My, my wife has always been, you know, worked uh, a normal job, and it gave me the ability, it's a real gift that the Pipe community gave to me, uh, the ability to be a stay-at-home dad. And I'm so grateful for that because my relationship with my kids is so good. Um, you know, I got to raise, uh, hang out with my, my daughter every single day uh, until she was in preschool. See, my
0: relationship with my kids is so good because I was not a stay-at-home dad. <laughs> and I traveled a lot. Uh, We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we'll talk more about pipes, and then we'll talk about the Allen Brothers stuff. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute.
2: Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today.
0: And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, visiting with... Jeff Graysick and uh, Jeff let's get into the J uh, into the Allen brothers um, sure so so was your brother bored and wanted to learn how to make pipes or uh, what was the what was the impetus for it and uh, and and how did it get started
1: uh, that's a good question no uh, you know my brother and I have always been pretty close um, uh, we're the only two kids in our family and He had, uh, out of college, was an engineer and did a corporate gig uh, for, gosh, 10, 12 years. And it was very, very demanding. Uh, A lot of travel. And he uh, decided to take a break from that um, and became a stay-at-home dad like I had been. And it gave us an opportunity to work together. We always talked about doing, oh, uh, having some kind of business together. Um, he is enormously talented, um, very intelligent, and um, you know he's he was a and, and we get along. And those are some really good uh, things for working with me. You know, I, I mean, I can use all the uh, <laughs> all the help I can get. So. Uh, we, you know, batted the idea around for years, uh, a couple of years before we um, finally had kind of the pieces in place to go forward. Um, the idea behind it originally was that uh, it was inspired by the fact that you know, I would go to all these pipe shows. Right. And I love talking to people. I love meeting people at the shows, helping out young pipe makers or meeting pipe smokers who are kind of just getting into it. And I really didn't like the experience of seeing someone's face when after we'd had this nice conversation, they looked down and see my prices and would kind of bashfully walk away. And it didn't always happen like that. But when it happened, I I felt a lot of um, uh, sympathy for that person. And for years, I would take things like, um, you know, I would roast coffee and bring that to the show. And that gave people an opportunity to, um, you know, pick something up from me that they wanted. Yeah uh, you know, after we'd had this nice conversation. Um, so I decided that, you know, it, having a less expensive pipe would give me an opportunity to sell these people something that, you know, that I was behind something that I had designed and spent a lot of time with, um, but wasn't, didn't have the price point of the J Allen pipes. And, and they're literally – so they're your designs, your shapes, your
0: ideas, and then they're just kind of a more mass-produced or more production
1: styling? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, uh, I mean, in order to hit this uh, price point, and especially to hit this price point and be selling them through a dealer, um, you know, you have to make some uh, compromises. Um, and fortunately, mass production helps us. W- uh, make those compromises. I mean, they're they're all completely hand finished. Um, the mouthpieces uh, do come out of a factory, but they are ones that I am comfortable selling. I design each one of them. None of them are stock, um, and they're designs that I hand a prototype, and then they're copied um, by machine. So we're about you're able to get about as close as you can to something that I would make, uh, but it's made. Um, it's made on an assembly line or made made in production.
0: And I'm looking at Smoking Pipes website right now, and the uh, the highest price on a smooth is two hundred and fifty dollars. And then there's some sandblasts mm-hmm. that are down around one fifty. And uh, they're just they're great looking pipes. They're all uh, they're all actually kind of more in my in my wheelhouse of what I would consider to be a good comfortable all day pipe or a, or a toad around because they're not. You know they're they're not really huge shapes, uh, right? But yet they'll be comfortable for all day smoking.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean that's always been important for me with Jay Allen pipes is is making pipes that when you would see it on a table if with ten other pipes that that's the one you wanted to pick up, and so that's the aesthetic that I brought to these pipes. They they tend to be a little more classically oriented uh, in design um, with some. Flourishes that I think are distinctive of my shaping tradition. But uh, yeah, I want them to be pipes you can pick up and smoke you can throw in your bag and and take with you on a trip or on a hike. Um, And we try to reflect that in the marketing that we do through our Instagram account and on our website. Uh, What is the Instagram account? Because
0: I'm just now learning about Instagram and how I should probably I'm already on there, apparently. But uh, I should. uh, I should actually.
1: Maybe they might have a paper copy available for you. Okay, good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, No, it's at Allen Brothers. A.L.A.N. Brothers.
0: And does the paper copy of Instagram get delivered by a guy wearing a little snappy hat and ringing the doorbell? Yeah, well, he rides a horse. Okay, good. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that, that's my brand of Instagram. Uh, uh, yeah. And the other thing that you do is, you are you making uh, supplies for pipe makers as well?
1: I am. I am. And this is kind of a, uh, you know, I started this around the same time as Allen Brothers. Um, it was a, a messy year there or so um, <laughs> with, you know, just juggling so many things, trying to make J Allen pipes as well as launch these other two, um, ventures. Um, but yeah, I, I started doing that cause as you know, I've had a lot of people come to my shop through the years to study with me. And there's no one that you can't go to Home Depot and buy some of the specialty pipe maker tools. A lot of them are ones that we've made for ourselves or that we, uh, you know, in actually in most cases, they are things that you've made for yourself. Well, I've traveled a lot, worked with other pipe makers around the world, and I was able to, oh, borrow a design idea here for a tool and then modify it with something that I saw from someone else and then bring it to my shop and, and further modify it because it's not quite working the way I want it to. Well, as these pipe makers would come and visit me, they would inevitably ask, hey, can I, uh, will you make one for me or can I buy one? Well, it's, it's hard for me to justify, as much as I want to help people out, I don't charge people to come to my workshop, Um, so it's hard for me to justify having someone in my workshop and then also, you know, let me take another day and make you a tool. Um, And there was no way for me to make them um, in a way that was uh, efficient enough for me to, you know, make enough money to to pay my mortgage and buy groceries and, you know, basic (laughs) things like that. (laughs) Electricity's addictive, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, if I want to continue running my business, for sure, or that
0: ha- lathe is not hand powered. Or having lights on at night.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I've got a fireplace, so, you know, we're good. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I was able to to uh, connect with a toolmaker in Los Angeles who offered to make the tools for me to my spec, uh, and we went through a couple prototype iterations before we uh, landed on something that uh, uh, I thought was great and we are now i'm using them in my workshop and they've done really really well i'm i'm really happy with them in fact when i started doing it there were no other there really were no other tool makers in who were selling tools there was uh who who were doing so consistently there had been people who had sold them on and off um throughout the years uh but there wasn't like a consistent supply available and I feel I'm really happy with that. I've been able to introduce that to the market. And since it's, uh, it's inspired other people to do it. There are now multiple other, uh, people selling tools, which is good. So it gives what, people options,
0: what all are these tools? I know there's a spoon bit, but I'm not sure of what yep. else.
1: Yeah. So I've got, uh, I mean, they're essentially three different things. Um, so in the Danish tradition of pipe making, uh, your listeners may or may not know that, they reverse the order that they, uh, of operations. So traditionally yeah. in English pipe making, you would chuck a block in the headstock of a lathe and you would turn the shape of the bowl and drill the chamber out with a drill bit. And then you would rotate it and turn the shank and drill the mortise and draft hole. Well, the Danes, um, they took it a different direction and they realized that they there were some advantages to be gained in terms of avoiding imperfections and also aligning the shape or being allowing the, the, the grain of the briar to inspire the shape. Uh, but it's really hard to do that if you have the block chucked into a headstock. So what they would do is shape the pipe first before it had holes in it. And then they had to have these specialty tools so they could drill it afterwards. So a spoon bit—that's a long-winded answer to say. Uh, a spoon bit is what is used to drill the chamber after you have already um, shaped the pipe, and you hold the pipe in your hand and drill a hole. That sounds um, really safe. It's—it's uh, it, it's not so bad. You get used to it. <laughs> you gotta—you gotta learn some some safety uh, moves first, but uh, you know it's good. I I still have both hands.
0: Now, now going back and talking, you know, talking, I've, I've, I've oftentimes insinuated into some of the cost of materials that a pipe maker has to, yeah, you know, has to have and stuff. Yeah, you know, so we've got the lathe, we've mm-hmm. got all the sanding equipment, we've got all the buffing equipment. Uh, with these, the the spoon bits, you have to have a spoon bit for each size of bowl that you want to make. So if there's a,
1: yeah, uh, yeah,
0: so you have unless to, you
1: want to spend a lot of time sanding on the inside of the bowl.
0: Yeah, and then you run the risk of it not being a perfect, you know, a, a perfect symmetrical circle. Or indeed, know, then you have my kind of circle, which is, you know, I invented the egg trying and to, trying to yeah. draw a circle. Uh huh. So how much do the how much do you sell these spoon bits for? Uh,
1: they vary in price, but it's an average of about a hundred dollars a piece. Um, they start at ninety five and go up to a hundred and ten, depending on the size. And so most pipe makers
0: are going to have at least two or three of these in their, in their arsenal to
1: hit the, hit the bowl size that's correct for the size of the pipe. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can certainly get by with one of them. Um, I gosh, in my shop, I don't know, I have a, um, 15 or 20, um, with various profiles and, um, and sizes. Um, but I think, I, I sell two different profiles. One that is uh, a, has a round bottom, and like the, you would have in a billiard. Yeah. And one that is more parabolic. Uh, so um, so now so we're, we're
0: th- now we're talking about multiple bottoms of bowls. So you, mm-hmm. you know you've got you got the billiard bowl. You got a you've got a flat bottom bowl like you might have in a uh, in a pot shaped or something like that mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. you've got to have the tapered bowl for Dublins and more and other obscure shapes is, am I missing one other one? Uh,
1: those are the only two shapes that I offer and the reason for that is that I don't think that pointed bottom or really really narrow tapered uh, bowls should exist <laughs> So your anti-narrow bowls I, I well, the bowl itself can be narrow. It shouldn't come to a point or very nearly a point on the bottom. I mean, it, unless you really enjoy debing, uh, drinking tobacco juice.
0: Well, I just had a sip of it right now.
1: <laughs> All right, suit yourself. My, I will make you. I'll make you a tool bit uh, in that shape, just for you.
0: Well, people have called me a tool before, so now I'm just a bit of a tool. But I'm, bad uh, joke.
1: Sorry, you know. Hey, listen. <laughs> I'm a dad my kid, my my kids would groan. Yes. Well, (laughs) and I give them, and I give them a lot of practice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, just imagine being one of my kids. Um, (laughs) all right. So now let, let's go back to some of your pipes. Uh, you do what I consider to be the, uh, the, the pinnacle of a, of a contrast, stain sandblasted finish i i don't think there is anybody that i have seen that does it better every time i see one of them i just want to drool and slobber all over them and and hold on to them uh can you just without without giving away any trade secrets uh mm-hmm. you know because we've already hacked your house and and we've got video <laughs> cameras on everything good, anyway good. uh what is the process for getting that that contrast? I mean, you got multiple colors and layers and it, and they're just yeah, beautiful. Yeah well,
1: I mean, without without giving away the secret sauce entirely, um I can give you some hints around it. but i I do want to say, um, you know it's I, I really appreciate what you said uh, and and I'm glad that you uh, like the finish that I do. But I think it's important um, to state that the person who started doing this is Jody Davis. Um, and it is a technique that I saw him employ the contrast stain sandblast. And when I visited him, I explicitly asked him permission. Like, can I, do you mind if I try this out? Do you mind if I do it? And he, he said, yeah. So I'm grateful uh, for that. Cause that's, uh, you know, Jody was really a pioneer there and any, um, any changes I've made to that, it's like, you know, we're always standing on the shoulders of giants. So, <laughs> um, I, uh. Uh, basically what you do, it's, a, it's the same process as uh, contrast staining, um, a smooth pipe where you apply one finish and then you remove, uh, usually a darker finish and then you remove part of it and apply a lighter finish on top of it. And that is how you do it with the, uh, sandblast finish as well. So instead of having to finish the pipe just once on a traditional black sandblast, you're doing it a couple of times. Yeah, it, it is more time consuming, and that's why I do charge more money for that. And not to mention that uh, to have a contrast finished sandblast, I mean, it essentially could have been a smooth pipe. You're more often than not choosing to make it a sandblast because it can't have any imperfections. If I'm doing a nice you know, red and yellow uh, color finish and there's a nice black sand pit um, in the middle of the finish, you will see it right away.
0: Wow. That's it. Say that six, six years later. And now I learned something again, where, uh, in order to get that contrast, it has to be a perfect block. You can't, yeah, you know, you could have made a smooth out of it
1: pretty much, pretty much. And I mean, even it's not even a question of grain structure either. So if you have, um, if you have a pipe that doesn't have really nice grain and you think, um, you know, it won't make a nice smooth. It won't make a nice contrast blast because you see the grain. The whole point is that you're highlighting the grain and having mediocre grain on a smooth pipe. If that's not acceptable to you, then having mediocre grain on a contrast blasted pipe it should also not be acceptable.
0: Wow. All right. One more, uh, one more question. And, um, and I don't want to inflate your ego, but besides being really talented and a really nice guy, Uh, do you have any insight into why you have made it as a full-time pipe maker now for 12 years? And do you have any advice to pipe makers that are wanting to make it into a full-time pipe maker?
1: Well, I mean, gosh, that's, that's really tough. Uh, I would never encourage anybody to go after it full time, uh, (laughs) only because it's, it's a real challenge. Um, but It's hard. So it's hard for me to answer the question, because as I said earlier, I never intended for this to be a full time gig. I was going to go and, you know, get my Ph.D. and be a teacher. And uh, and life just took me this direction. So I tend to think that the best things come from not laying plans. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But as advice to people who are really into it and want to improve their work. Um, or actually, let me back up. I think that it's the way that the way to achieve that is simply trying to make your next pipe better than the last pipe. Always improving. Listen to your customers, listen to other pipe makers whom whose work you respect. And um, you need to get some really thick skin and you buy it because otherwise you will not learn. if someone if you ask someone for a critique, Listen to that critique. Don't challenge the critique. Just listen to it, Um, because you'll learn something from it. And try to employ those changes in every subsequent uh, pipe, because, uh, I mean, you have to practice it. You have to put it into practice if you you want uh, to improve your work. And then you
0: also have to be willing to do the thing that would absolutely drive me nuts, which is get up every day and go into the workshop and be by yourself yeah. the entire time that you're in there and you have to apply
1: your craft and yeah. you know, do it. It's a lonely, lonely job. And I'll tell you what, uh, 15 years later, um, my my hands feel a little worse than they did when I started out and my back has not been in the best shape. So, you know, doing... Finding the finding ways to work in your workshop so that it's not hard on your body and also doing things outside of the shop to um, help strengthen your body in ways that uh, that are helpful to you in the in the workshop is uh, has been really critical for me having staying power in the shop. And then finally, with after all that sage advice,
0: uh, this <laughs> this show is has- too much credit. <laughs> This show is coming out on Halloween. Uh, what's the uh, what's the Graysick family current tradition for Halloween?
1: Oh man! Well, we have uh, a tradition in our neighborhood where. Everyone in the whole neighborhood goes to one street, and it is like a street fair. The adults dress up, uh, the kids dress up. There are people in giant inflatable costumes walking up and down the street, and you know th- this this warms my heart and my throat every year. Uh, that next to the uh, people handing out candy is a margarita maker, or someone handing out uh, 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 whiskey to the adults. <laughs> Uh, trick-or-treaters so i love my neighborhood (laughs) it's a little different than western pa growing up isn't it it is indeed it is indeed
0: and and you never know what kind of costume to wear because it could be 85 degrees on halloween
1: exactly this year i'm dressing like a pipe maker
0: (laughs) that would that would uh that would have people ask you all right what's in the pipe um, yeah
1: exactly well they know out here <laughs> yeah free and legal uh, well not and, free. And, you know my, my pipe making outfit is just sunscreen and torn jeans so can't tell the difference between a pipe maker or a surfer exactly
0: <laughs> uh jeff we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions this is a new version
1: since you were on back a hundred years ago uh oh, okay no right answer i think we had a, I th- I we had a pause uh, Multiple times through my last Fast Five, if, I'm, if I remember correctly.
0: Well, that's the beauty of editing. Uh, but just just whatever comes to your mind. So here they are. What is your favorite pipe?
1: Uh, my favorite pipe right now is a straight um, liminal billiard black sandblasted finish with a horn ferrule. And I'm guessing you made it. I did indeed. I can't afford anyone else's pipes.
0: (laughs) And there must have been something wrong with it for you to be able to afford it yourself.
1: Yeah, fair enough. I can't afford my pipes either. (laughs) Uh, What
0: is your favorite tobacco?
1: Uh, I have two. Um, I love, love, love Smoker's Haven's Exotique and have probably since the last time we did an interview. And I love um, the now unavailable McCraney's Red Ribbon. Ooh, finally one with taste
0: uh, when it's <laughs> sorry I got out of order what is your favorite drink
1: my favorite drink water and coffee
0: and whiskey all in separate glasses right
1: well all, all in separate glasses and all at different times of the day
0: okay good uh, when it's time to relax do you prefer a book a movie or music depends on the mood I like all three and it depends on what the kids are doing Indeed. (laughs) And finally, and I'll share one after you share it. uh, Do you have a particularly favorite pipe smoking related memory?
1: Pipe smoking related memory. Gosh, I have so many. I have so many incredible memories. But I want to share this one um, because uh, it's a memory of someone who was a mentor um, to me and a model for me. I remember the last time I visited Lars and Anetta Everson yeah. in Denmark and sitting out in the evening, probably 11 o'clock at night in June in Denmark. So the sun mm. is just starting to set at 11. Just going down. And we're looking. Exactly. And we had just had a wonderful dinner that Lars had barbecued for us. And we were having pipes and brandy and sitting together, talking and laughing, looking out over the beautiful view of his land over the fjord. Uh, that is a memory that will stick with me.
0: Well, and, and I will share a memory that involves you because it was the uh, Richmond Pipe Show 2009. It was a particularly interesting time in my okay. life. Um, but you and Tokatomi both mm-hmm. brought out guitars and we're sitting oh, there I remember this. Yeah. just jamming <clears throat> bluegrass. And <laughs> I was sitting there smoking my pipe at the table, and it was back when you could smoke anywhere you wanted in the hotel pretty much. And just kind of between the pipe and you guys just sitting there jamming with each other uh, just took me to a whole different place for whatever the, whatever the 5, 10, 20 minutes was. It seemed like eternity where I was just completely someplace else watching... Uh, watching two really talented guys just learning and riffing off of each other and having a good time.
1: Oh, that's cool. I, I, I have vivid memories of that. Yeah. Uh,
0: I love Toku. And then there's a certain video that you did where I still have that handheld puppet uh, on, <laughs> that goes back to your YouTube days. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jeff, we will uh, – <laughs> uh, thanks again for coming on, uh
1: thanks for having me brian
0: you know and and you know thanks for being a really talented nice good looking i hate you
1: Uh, Uh, (laughs) um hey man i'm just happy to be here
0: (laughs) and you're and you're always somebody that i look forward to seeing so likewise keep doing what you're doing and uh we'll be back in just a minute
1: being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years We've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar series to the Small Batch project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So, moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at c d as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. This.
2: Internet radio,
0: and we are back uh, don't forget check out everything that Jeff and his brother Jeremy are doing they've, uh, they've got some great looking pipes alright for music the only nod to Halloween because by this time I'm done with all the spooky stuff and everything and it's Tuesday night and I've already scared kids on the front porch um the only nod I will give is to uh, Johann Sebastian Bach who wrote the Toccata and Fugue in D minor and I found this done by a <laughs> done by a trombone quartet and they're on uh, I found it on YouTube and their name is Music der Tromb M U S I C D I R T R O M B Music der Tromb uh, it goes back uh, 10, 11 years ago when they recorded this. Uh, it's just really cool. Now, it is a lot longer than what, uh, it's about, uh, it, it, total it's about eight minutes. I've got it cut down to about six and a half minutes or so just for time. But uh, it's really cool and Bach smoked a pipe and maybe one of these young trombone guys is listening right now and they smoke a pipe. So, don't know. Here it is. Thank <laughs> you. what would you think of that i mean bach was uh, bach was a little spooky uh it, their their name is cuarteto trombones de costa rica and the website is trombones de costa rica although who knows if it's still valid uh, anyway they got a whole flock of videos on uh, youtube that are through them so check them out
1: yes you have new mail yeah.
0: All right, quick mailbag here. Remember, if you're coming to the West Coast Pipe Show in Las Vegas in just uh, ten days, something like that, uh, stop by my table. Say I love the Pipes Magazine Radio Show, and I've got some—I've got a goodie for you. That's all. I, that's all I'll say. Uh, going back two weeks ago to uh, the show with Nate Rose on, what do we have here in the mailbag? We have Crash the Gray says that tin sounds wonderful. Talking about the uh, talking about the three nuns. Uh, But not $700 wonderful for me. Yeah. Uh, It is great that you got to experience that and especially that you shared it. Uh, Pleasant interview. The music selection was wonderful because it was so odd. I really enjoyed it. The rant was spot on. I couldn't agree more. Enjoy your vacation from the show. I kind of enjoyed it. And it's over. Uh, And then... uh, Casey Ghost says that's about the right price on three nuns. It's criminal all the companies who say they are making three nuns today who really don't have a clue. Uh, They ought to call the stuff they are making (laughs) sad sisters. (laughs) Nice interview with Nate Rose. He seemed like a likable soul. He did uh, say he had a day job, right? Yes, he has a day job. And uh, also just to update you a little bit on Canada. Well, while you can't get tobacco readily, uh, they just legalized marijuana. And then going back to last week with uh, part two of Sykes, uh, Casey Ghost says, Very good show. I enjoyed the pipe reviews very much. I think you are to be commended for recommending a Red Virginia blend without, in, without any comparison to McClellan. Thank you. Uh, I've enjoyed your conversations with Sykes quite a bit. His explanation of where the Laudisi name came from made a lot of sense. A random character's name from a book he was reading. That's Rich. And then finally, Crash the Gray says, "Incredible interview. Looking forward to the rest. Always happy for the tobacco reviews. Uh, the rant was disappointing to hear. So it goes. Uh, happy birthday again. Whenever you actually get to the mailbag, <laughs> it'll be nice. Uh, it'll be a nice reminder. Hope you enjoyed the little break. Yeah, thanks. And more on the uh, on the birthday stuff coming up in the rant." And uh, remember, if I can help you out with any travel stuff, you can email me brian.levine at mei-travel.com. Comments or questions, post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page or email me brian, uh, uh, brian at pipesmagazine.com. And finally, uh, if you can get to iTunes, ratings or reviews are absolutely wonderful. We love them. They help the show, and they don't cost you anything anything. And in fact, we have a couple of recent reviews that I want to read right now. NPOD says, Excellent. Excellent show. I listen to the current and older episodes all the time and even replay episodes frequently. It is an essential companion for the pipe smoker. Appreciate that. And uh, don't just be careful with those older episodes. And then uh, Andrew the pipe fool says, Looking for all things pipe smoking? Look no further. If you're looking for a great show celebrating all things pipe smoking, you needn't look any further. Pipes Magazine Radio Show has great content and format. You are bound to enjoy. Keep up the fine work. Thank you very much, and we really do appreciate those ratings and reviews, so keep them coming. And in just a moment, rave time. birthday rave birthday and kind of halloween related how's that all tied up into one all right so thank you all for all the birthday messages really appreciate those it was a lot of fun uh, one of the gifts I got <laughs> a gift from my mother and uh, and I kind of got back at her and remember she's uh, you know not exactly thrilled with smoking uh, but one of the gifts she sent me this box of candy and it's from the Woodstock candy company and it says 1967 on the outside Well, inside of it is all kinds of candy that would have been traditionally uh, popular in 1967. Uh, Included in there, some of my favorites that uh, that don't really count towards the rave are the uh, the little wax bottles with the little Kool-Aid stuff in them, or the wax lips that you can, (laughs) you know, makes you look like you're on the cover of a Rolling Stone uh, album. But also included in there, and this is where the shout-out goes to the Woodstock Candy Company. They don't say cigarettes, but there are two packs of uh, candy sticks or bubblegum sticks that look like cigarettes. Also included in there is a bubblegum cigar. And finally, the best part included in there is a piece of licorice that is shaped as a pipe. Now, they've been modernized for the current <laughs> for the current political climate where... Uh, they don't say cigarettes or cigar or pipe on them but they still have the shapes to them the uh, cigarettes still have the packaging to them and all the other candy in there is a lot of fun so we've been enjoying going through all that <laughs> obviously not today but uh just that you know it's really nice to see a company a small independent company the woodstock candy company it's available on amazon They've got packages for each you know, for each year going back uh, 50, 60, 70 years. So check them out. All right. Uh, quick reminder, I will be the guest on uh, the Pipe and Tamper podcast coming out this week, I believe. That's uh, Mike Murphy's Pipe and Tamper podcast. So check that out. Do stop by and see me in uh, Las Vegas at the West Coast Pipe Show. I'm looking forward to seeing you all. So, Thanks to uh, Jeff for uh, joining me again. Thank you all for tuning in and until next time. Probably had to use an extra wide scope on that guy because he's a big...